Hello and welcome to Why It Matters. This is a podcast for leaders who know that relevance is a moving target. I'm Michael Goff and I'm the Strategy Director at Spark Studio. This podcast is a collection of interviews with leaders who are passionate about something that is being overlooked. Sometimes that will be a brand, a product or a service, but it can also be an idea, something that has lost its value for many. And to re-express relevance, you need someone with vision. Today, I'm chatting to Annabelle Venner. Annabelle is a global marketing leader. And until recently, she was the global brand director at the insurance business Hiscox. And before that, she was at Coca-Cola. And today, I'm asking Annabelle why research matters. So Annabelle, welcome to Why It Matters. It's lovely to have you with us. And thank you for the invitation to join you today. It's great. And um, I think where we are interested is in your interest in research and your experience as a, a marketing professional. And I guess where we want to start really is thinking about your way into, into marketing. And in particular, we know you spent uh, a lot of time at Coca-Cola, but you ended up at Hiscox. How did that opportunity come about? How did you end up with, with the insurer Hiscox? So, yeah, as you said, my background um, is a lot of it in FMCG world. And I'd spent nine years at Coca-Cola, which I must admit was a fantastic time there. And I got the opportunity to work on a large number of their brands. So not just Coke, but Schweppes and Oasis and Powerade. But after sort of eight years or eight and a half years, I started to think about my growth and what I needed to learn, but also the impact I could have on a business. And Coke is a, is a massive organization, and it's often quite hard to sort of really, really grow brands, especially when you're working on Coke. So I got phoned up about an opportunity at Hiscox. I must admit, I'd never really heard of it. Also, because it was an insurer, I was slightly nervous about making that leap. But once I'd been in and had the interviews, I was completely won over by the people I met there, by the fact that two of them had a similar background. So one had worked at, I think it was P&G, and one had worked at Coca-Cola and Diageo. So I knew they would get my world. But also because as an insurer, it was very, very different and it was very customer focused and really valued doing the right thing by its customers and had a massively strong reputation. So and the role I was being offered would enable me to be the sort of senior marketer in the UK business, but also give me the opportunity to learn a lot because we the business sold direct to customers. So therefore, I could have that end to end customer journey management, which I wasn't able to have at Coca-Cola. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And obviously there's a lot of history there with Hiscox as well, you know, been around for over a hundred years, 120 years, I think it is. How in tune were they to, how sophisticated was the kind of marketing at that point? Were they kind of pretty savvy or was there a kind of educational piece? So as you said, the, the company was, had been around for a long time and it had evolved. So when it was first set up, it just used to trade through Lloyd's of London and then it grew its retail business and then it started its direct to customer journey and business. And almost I was quite lucky in that a gentleman called Steve Langan joined about four or five years before I had. And he's marketing. So he, as I said, he worked at Coca-Cola and Diageo. So he'd done quite a the, lot of the heavy lifting in educating the business about what the impact that marketing can have on growth. And so when I joined, I was able to sort of pick up from sort of the effort he'd started and then take a lot of my learnings from Coca-Cola and apply them to Hiscox. And I think sometimes people have this belief that marketing is really different when you move from different industries. It's not. The fundamentals of it stay the same. 
how you make a great ad is the same. The need to understand your customers is the same. And therefore, the need to research is the same. You just need to apply it to a different sector. And so to the heart of the kind of episode then, why does research matter? So for me, you know, it goes down to you have to understand your customers. And yes, you can use data that you get from, you know, web analytics or NPS scores. But there's nothing like going and talking to a group of business owners over breakfast one day to find out what's really bugging them or what they really think of your business. You need to use research to help understand the competitive landscape, what's going on, how is your advertising landing versus other people's. You can use it to develop new products and services. So for me, it's always been uh, an invaluable tool. And we used it, Coca-Cola spent a lot of money and insisted on, you know, before you could release an ad, you had to do this bit of research. During my nine years at Hiscox, we massively increased the value of research that we undertook because the business then could see the impact that it could have. And so the, the, the value of research, what, was, what led you to that conviction? What was it that you were seeing in Coke that you said, actually, this is absolutely integral to the process? So, so part of it is, is around the, the, the initial understanding of your customers. So, for instance, our, our core groups at Coke were often mums and teenagers. And, you know, your mums were the ones that would do the grocery shopping. And then your teenagers, obviously, were the ones that were buying the product when they were out and about. And then you could see the different attitudes towards your brand. And, and they were often very, very different. And then you could feed that into either doing, working out what your price promotion should be, your pack strategy should be, and what your comms needed to say. And then also then that that we took that and applied that sort of to Hiscox. So we had both a, uh, we were selling to small businesses, but we were also selling to people buying home insurance. And their attitudes towards the brand would be very different, their understanding of it, what their perceptions were. And so you often needed to do this early stage research, and then you would be able to feed that into a brief that you would give to an advertising agency. So how sophisticated was Hiscox when you first got involved, when they were, was research a new idea for them and thinking about research's role in? No, it wasn't a new idea. We just probably weren't doing the depth of research that Hiscox is now doing 10 years on. So there was brand tracking that would go on. So when I joined, the only business where we were selling direct was the UK. So we would undertake brand tracking probably once a year. They were using research to develop the advertising. So they would be doing call and quant research. But what we did, we then broadened out what we what we were looking at. So uh, we would do dips of research with our customers. Um, so we got a small group that we knew were happy to hear from us and happy to share their input. We did pop-up communities. We did a lot of roundtables, so informal roundtables, as I mentioned before, where we might gather some small business owners over breakfast. We would be doing research with brokers because often they they were the ones that had, when we were when we were selling through them, they they would reflect often the views of the clients. I can't, you know, so so the the breadth of research we did, we en- ended up doing a lot more innovation around products and services. So we would also go and talk to small groups, and sometimes you had to be flexible. So to bring that to life, we were interested in talking to private tutors at one stage. So you had to think quite creatively about talking to them or even people doing personal training. But at the end of it. You, you needed to prove the value of doing the research. Yeah. A lot of people think that their country is very different. 
But what we quickly learned was that the needs of a small business owner can be very, very similar, whether you're in the US, France, Germany, the UK, how you communicate them is very different. So often we would then push countries to say, do you really need to do this bit of research in France? Because we did it in Germany last year, and this is what we learned. And actually, it wasn't that dissimilar to what we found in the UK. So we would almost develop a centre of excellence for research and insight where we could share all the learnings. That's interesting. So what would be the kind of frequency of that engagement that you'd be involved in? Was there a kind of cycle to it? Were you doing it on a kind of annual basis or biannual basis? The research, so some of them were done frequently. So brand, so for instance, brand tracking, we, one stage we were doing it twice a year in the UK and the same in the US, which are our biggest two markets. And then in our smaller markets, we would do that once a year. The rest of it was probably more had ad hoc because it, it would be around when we were developing communication. And again, depending on the level of communication we were developing, we would say you either had to do qual or quant. So our, our research and insight group was was centralized. So you would get requests coming in for work and then the, that research manager would work with that local marketing team to work out what they needed. So there was no sort of central budget held. It was held by all the business units. So without without research, what's lost? You know, if, if you did your marketing without it, what, 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 what do you miss out on? I just think you're, you're blind to a lot of things. You're blind to how your customers are really feeling and what they really want. But also, I think there's a risk you get very, very focused in your own industry. So to bring that to life now, you know, when, when people think about what they want from sort of customer service, you know, companies like Amazon have driven real change. And so you're, you're not benchmarked now versus what you're doing versus your competitor. You're benchmarked versus what Amazon doing, what Ocado is doing. And so you you research helps you understand now what those needs are of your of your customers. And you also get, you can get early indication if something's going wrong as well. And having done the research and got the feedback, what were the key things that you were learning that were helping you rethink the Hiscox brand and, and the route to market and the marketing? So if I go back probably six years, we the UK developed a very, very successful campaign for its small business customers. And the end, like the tagline that was used was the small and the brave. And all the work, if you, if you go look at it, all the work really tapped into the emotion of running a small business. And prior to developing that work, we spent a lot of time trying to understand small businesses, their hopes, their dreams, why they set it up, what what are the negative sides of it, how they wanted to be talked to. And what we learned is they are like other people and they want advertising that isn't just functional and isn't just about a price message or this policy enables you to do this, that and the other. They, They want people to talk to them to demonstrate that they get them, they get their their business and they get their why they set it up. And so the all of this research was fed into a creative brief that was given to BCCP, who was the advertising agency. And as I said, they developed this campaign that probably ran for four or five years and was very, very successful and won some marketing society awards. And some of the early work talked about the feeling you get when you write your first invoice. Now, I've recently set myself up as a consultant and I felt the same way. You know, I, I posted about it and said, oh my gosh, you know, we developed this work and actually the minute I sent my first invoice was was a moment of being very proud. There was a, an ad that showed two mugs that talked about hiring your first employee. Another one that featured a bear with a bit of sort of stuffing missing and talked about 
those those times where it goes a bit wrong, you take a bit of a battering. But but the work, the research, we developed so much, um, so many insights about these small businesses. And it enabled us, as I said, to sort of have four or five years of very, very, very strong advertising that connected very emotionally with these people and was very different to what everybody else was using. And we often think at this point, uh, certainly in a kind of advertising context that this is about the kind of PL and this is about kind of growing revenue but this is this is more than that this is also about brand building isn't it you're actually trying to shape perceptions about Hiscox as much as kind of create revenue but they are linked so if you think about it especially if you're selling direct to customers so a lot of people spend a lot of money on Google and what you want people to do is to put his cocks into Google rather than putting business insurance. But the cost of bringing somebody to your website who's typed in his cocks could be, I don't know, maybe a tenth of the cost of bidding versus your other competitors on business insurance. So, and we know that having a strong brand does a lot more than just making it cheaper to acquire them. They, they're more likely to talk about you, recommend you. They're more likely to stay loyal with you. They're more likely to buy more than one product so it has this massive benefit and part of my role was always educating the business that you need to have the right mix of brand spend and acquisition spend and when you get that right that drives the best long-term marketing effectiveness and again we would use research to prove it so you know we would do econometric studies to show that the impact of where we're spending brand and where we're spending acquisition together can have that impact. And how are you tracking the the return of that investment? I imagine if it's a kind of relatively new concept for the business that the leadership team are keen to understand what the value is going to come back. So so I put, pulled together a dashboard that was quite long because it reflected all the markets. And effectively, what I reported on that market was five things. I'm going to see if I can remember them now. So, so one was basic business metrics. So how much we were spending and how much new business were we generating another one was sort of our brand equity metrics so we called them our abcd just because they were very easy to remember uh, one of them was very much focused on acquisition so how much was it costing us to acquire somebody another area was around retention so depending and, and therefore you could see links between stronger brand metrics and higher retention and then the last one was customer, customer satisfaction so how well did they find that customer journey how well were they likely to uh, remember us? So we didn't just focus on that pure ROI. I think it was very important that we had those five things that we could talk about. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been talking to a range of uh, business leaders towards the end of the last year when we were in sort of Q4 uh, and, and the challenge of of the last 12 months. And what, what was coming through consistently was a sense that actually the priority was very much focused on sales, that given what's in the pipeline at the moment, our priority as a business certainly the ones I was talking to in a B2B context, that we need to convert the pipeline to make sure that we keep the revenue going in, a, in what feels like a downturn. In that sort of context, how would you kind of make the case to actually say, you no know, brand building and brand profile marketing is just as important as the kind of sales? So, so I think that's based on the last two years. I think I'd, I'd hope that you'd been trying to do it more than when you're getting pressure on your budgets. So for me, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. Um, so people don't forget it. I think the last 18 months has been unprecedented. And I think lots of different industries have been hit very hard. They have had increased costs, their sales have gone down. So I think 
you, I mean, you've seen it naturally, a lot of marketing budgets have taken a massive battering. Yeah. What I would say now is there is some positivity and consumer spending will return and consumers are feeling a lot more optimistic. So I think it's more of a, I don't think it's a pure conversation around we need more brand spend. I think it's around senior marketing leaders being brave now and taking the opportunity to go out there and be the first one of their competitors to come out with some absolutely great work that based on insights they've got from their customers, so they can really take a lead and be in a really good position as consumers start spending again and as confidence starts growing. Yeah. And as you gather your research, how do you ensure that the things that you're learning is, is actually being used well? So when I was at Hiscox, I had a small research and insight team. So there's only three of them who had to do all the research across all the markets. Wow. So they were very hard workers. And actually, they were incredibly hard because they, they managed multiple projects across multiple markets. But one of the things that was always in their objectives was making sure that the research was actioned. So their role didn't just start and stop with delivering a lovely piece of research with a great presentation. They also had to go and ensure that it was actioned within the market. And the head of Insight and Research produced this sort of template that she could use where she got feedback, not only feedback from the stakeholders on how well the project had gone, but also what they had done with it, and if possible, then to measure the financial impact of it as well. Interesting. So it's it's vital that you do it. Yeah. My my view is, you know, any good research and insight manager should challenge that upfront. What are you going to do with this bit of research? And do we really need to do it, or is it just confirming something you already know? So it's answering the kind of so what kind of question. Yeah. 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 What's the difference it's going to make? Otherwise, don't do it because it's a waste of resources, both people and money. Yeah, interesting. I I guess I've got a question around limitations. Has has research ever got uh, things that it can't do? I suppose I'm thinking in the context of someone like Wally Ollins, you know, sort of grandfather of branding, who famously said that um, that actually uh, market market research is very good at telling you problems, but it will never tell you solutions. You can't go to market and ask you what to do. So, have you ever seen research misapplied or or, or be limited in in its function in actually making in effect i think you have to use your own gut feeling a little bit and you do read of stories of where amazing ad campaigns bombed in research but actually the marketing director or cmo really believed with it and took it to market and especially if you're doing something very different and very groundbreaking i think you have to go a little bit with your gut unless it absolutely terribly sinks in research and it might just be that it didn't research very well, but if you evolve it a little bit or tweak it, actually you could come up with an amazing idea. And it's also just about who, I mean, it was it was interesting. Uh, I was listening to the Marketing Society annual lecture, which is was all about the development of Gillette's campaign that got a lot of negativity last year, but also a lot of positivity. And, you know, they were talking through the process they went through and the, and the research and everything else. And actually, a lot of the people who protested about it probably weren't represented in their research that they did. So I think you have to be do your due diligence on research. But I think there's nothing like that gut feel that you have sometimes in terms of I think there's something in this I think it's worth giving it another go. So there's still a sense of intuition still has a role to play. Absolutely. Yeah, in your experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Other, otherwise, you know, otherwise, what's your role as a marketing yeah. leader? You need to you need to make decisions based on the number of years experience that you've got. Otherwise, you therefore let all the decisions be made by your customers. And sometimes they don't know what they really want. Sometimes it's a bit like when you're developing a new product or service, you probably wouldn't say to them, 
design your own insurance policy, you sometimes have to work up a few ideas and put it in front of them as a prompt. Interesting. Yeah, because I think, you know, coming from a, a creative background at Sparks, one of the things we're always kind of nervous about is that that research then becomes something that the the audience is holding the pen at their kind of execution level. So that, fo- you know, the classic idea is that focus groups kills creativity because you're right, they don't know the assumptions, they don't know what they want, and they're just looking at stuff and saying, I like it or I don't like it. What are the key steps in getting good research and then applying it effectively? So I, I always talk about the importance of a creative brief, and I've spoken on this recently a couple of times and saying to people, they really need to focus on and put time into that creative brief and make it the right length before they give it to an agency. I, again, at Hiscox, the research and insight team developed a brief that they sent out to people that they had to complete before they wanted research and had to make it very clear in terms of why did they want to do research? What they, what were they going to do with the outputs? Who were they going to talk to? What was, what was their assumptions going into it? What did they want to learn? So I just think putting that thinking and being able to articulate what you want is really, really critical. I think you need to really think about the number of people who you're going to talk to and whether you want to do qual or quant so you know are you talking to your current customers or are you talking to people who aren't your customer are you talking to people who know you or don't know you because all these things will have a massive effect on your output of this and also the benchmarks that you're going to set so to to bring this to life at Hiscox we set quite high KPIs that any major campaign had to achieve if we were going to put money behind it. But we didn't just benchmark ourselves against financial services. Financial services ads tend to score lower than anybody else's. But you think of yourself as a when you're watching TV, you don't sit there and go, oh, it's a insurance or bank ad. I'm going to be more lenient on it. You know, so we, we would always benchmark ourselves versus all advertising because that was really important to us. So I think it's all those things that you need to go through and you really need to think about. And sometimes in the end, it is just about that little bit of gut feeling and that bit of bravery that you believe it's going to really work. And and sorry, and the last point on that is just then also really thinking about if you're developing any communication, where you're going to run it, because the research that you would do for a TV ad would be quite different to if you were going to run something that was in the press or digitally. So you have to think about where your communication may be seen as well. And for organisations that perhaps aren't doing doing this research on a similar kind of scale to someone like Hiscox, if there's someone in a marketing team that's actually recognising the value of wanting to find out more about what their customers and what their clients think about the business, what's the best sell that you've had or used to position the value of marketing to the leadership team? The big question about the value. I just think there's lots and lots of external studies out there that you can use. And, and focus on effectiveness of marketing, yeah. not just, you know, did the marketing community really like it? So, but there are lots of case studies. So, for instance, the Marketing Society, the IPA, publish a lot of papers on the effectiveness of marketing. And a lot of those are free to access. There are a lot of studies out there that show when you get that right balance of brand and acquisition spend, what it can really do. So I think I did that at Hiscox. We had we had good marketing budgets. They weren't huge, but often we would use case studies. And the other the other point is you can do a lot of research for free. So you don't need to spend lots of money on agencies. You know, you can, if you've got the permissions, you can talk to your own customers. You can, if you're quite happy sort of facilitating a group, you can get a lot of people together. 
And you will find for a lot of people, they loved being asked for their point of view. So a lot of these things you can do without spending a lot of money. And that's certainly true, certainly with the sort of rebranding projects that we've been involved in. To actually go out and ask the existing client base, what do you value about the the organisation? What's working? What's not working? You always get a sack load of nuance that that the leadership team have never even thought about, or they've just taken for granted. They've just assumed that that it's it's common knowledge, uh, and actually the client has their clients have said something that helps them to see. You know, there's some value here that you're not talking about that they hear and presume that you really need to turn the volume up when it comes to positioning yeah. the brand. You know, often what you hear doesn't mean you need to spend a lot of money on changing your product or changing doing a redesign or changing its attributes often it, it can be about actually they they want to be communicated in a slightly different way and then you can do really effective sort of emotional advertising that will really connect with them that will make you differentiated in the market and key lessons that over the years that you've learned in in using and applying research what are the kind of the, the gold standards of of using it this this go by your gut is quite a good one so I, I worked on a water brand launch when I was at Coke. So many, many moons ago, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. That's not the ill-fated one, was it? That got... It is, Dasani. <laughs> yes. So for those of us who've been in the industry. So I worked on that. And there was probably a couple of things when we were doing some early research that I should have been a bit braver in bringing forward. So I think having that gut feel, you have to go on and, and not being afraid. I think... Find it if you're going to commission research with agency partners, pick the right ones, pick those agencies that will tell you the truth. Yeah. The last thing you need is an agency partner who will just tell you what they think you need to hear. You want those ones that are going to be brave enough and go, do you know, even if you spent another three months and £100,000, you're not going to make an ad from this. It's not going to work. So you've got to have that trust and that relationship with your agencies. You know, a lot of insights with your key groups are the same and just because you speak a different language doesn't mean they feel a, a different way so I think people do need to push back and just not do research and, and not and probably the last point is don't do research just to back up something you believe in do research when you've got when you've got a real challenge and you don't know what's going on and you want to find an answer and you're looking for clarity on a particular question or and I guess that comes back to your point about the brief being really clear about what is it that we're trying to, to achieve through this kind of opportunity? Yeah. yeah. And what are you going to do with the with the findings? Yeah. I'm interested in that sort of balance between intuition and research. So so what you're saying is that you do the research to understand what the kind of line in the sand is and the perception of the, the organization, but then you use your your experience and your intu- intuition to basically take a form of judgment on what the next course of action is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Great. Good. Just to end on this kind of question, what what two things have you been seeing, have you been enjoying during lockdown that you think others sh- should take a look at? I've looked at a lot of the sort of national theatre live events. Oh, they've been amazing, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. And I, I've been watching those. And I think, so last, oh gosh, probably last time I went to the theatre, I got to see uh, Serrano de Bergerac. Oh, wow. And I think that's coming live and I would it was amazing so I would it was like a modern interpretation of it so I would thoroughly recommend if that's on to go and do that great and there's there's two more exhibitions that I don't know if this one's going to be what they're going to do with it but there was meant to be in the next few months a big Banksy show oh yes and both my kids are into art so I was going to take them but I'm not 100% certain whether that's going to go ahead but if that had been I'd have gone and I've just seen that the Design Museum in May, I think, is doing a big show 
that talks about design and sustainability. And I'll definitely become be watching that one. I think that will be very interesting. And again, I think that's going to be delivered online. Well, Annabelle, thank you so much for being part of Why It Matters. It's been lovely to have you with us and I really appreciate your contribution. No, it's great to be invited. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters has been put together by Spark Studio, the brand and design agency based in London. To find out more about us, visit our website at sparks-studio.com. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at hashtag whyitmatterspod or get in touch with me at whyitmatters at sparks-studio.com. Thanks for listening.